Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Tiffany Paulson. Tiffany is a writer, director, originally from Kashmir, Washington. She's won both the prestigious Disney slash ABC Writing Fellowship and a Sony TV Diverse Directing Fellowship. She wrote the feature adaptation of Nancy Drew for Warner Brothers, and her sequel to the classic Adventures in Babysitting was nominated for both DGA and Imogen Awards. Her first original short, The Swan, won Best Picture at the LA Live Score Film Festival and was an official selection at Palm Springs International. In 2019, Tiffany wrote two original features, Turkey Drop for Freeform and Holiday for Netflix and Mick G. Wonderland, for which she also served as executive producer. Holiday, which is based on Tiffany's real-life experiences, premiered on Netflix October 20th, 2020, is currently streaming on Netflix. It was the number one streamed film in the world for its first two weeks and is currently the number four Netflix movie for all of 2020, which is very, very exciting. Tiffany, how are you? Very excited to have you on the show. I am great. Thank you so much for having me. My first question, and based on your bio here, I would guess you're in LA. Is that true? Where are you based? And how is quarantine affecting you right now? I am in LA and I have to say I'm pretty fortunate in that as a writer, (laughs) my life hasn't changed too much. You know, I kind of pretty much spend my days the same. I'm in my office, I'm working on projects. You know, writers don't get out a lot (laughs) for the most part. It's a pretty isolated life. So for the most part, I would say I'm lucky in that, you know, my days haven't changed a lot. I'm missing those coffee shops though. Well, hopefully they'll be back soon. For those writers who are listening, obviously, like you said, a lot of writers are inside writing. Writing is a solitary experience. But for those who are struggling, obviously there's a lot of people who maybe aren't feeling the most inspired right now. What would you say? Are there words of wisdom that you would pass along to those listening who maybe kind of just are looking for something to help get them through writing during this time? Well, I spent a good amount of time watching movies. I think it's a really good time to, you know, the list of things that I like to say that I'm too embarrassed as a professional in the entertainment industry to admit I've never seen before. I keep that kind of secret running list. So I've been trying to watch some of those movies I've always wanted to see, maybe didn't have the time to do it. I also have a pretty tight network of a couple really good creative friends that you can jump on the Zoom and jump on the FaceTime and go, I'm not feeling inspired. Can you help me through this scene or this day? Or, you know, where do you want to go when we can get out of the house? Let's talk about our traveling that we're going to do next year. So I think just, you know, looking for those ways that you can connect. If you can get outside, it always helps to get outside, put some music on and go for a walk with our mask on. Are writers by nature a little too hard on themselves? You know, you've got all this time, right? So to speak, and you want to write something or create the next best thing. You have so much time, but we put all this pressure on ourselves to write 
you know, during this time. But is that too much? Should people, like you said, be watching films and kind of just, you know, rejuvenating during this time? I think that's a fantastic point to discuss. And I think we absolutely are too hard on ourselves. I felt that a lot the first six months, this need to be productive, this need to hit my elliptical every day, and I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to drink less coffee. I'm going to exercise and I'm going to come out with three scripts, right? Because there's no reason now to not be productive, right? There's the distractions supposedly are limited, but I think it's really important to remember that we are in unprecedented times. I mean, how many times are you looking at your phone and your newsfeed and seeing, I mean, I've lost days to CNN alone. And then feeling really guilty about it. But I try to remind myself this is an unprecedented time in history. It's not necessarily the time to be the most productive, the most creative, and give yourself a break. Love that. Before we dive into process, I'm really excited to talk to you about writing features. Before we do that, I would love to hear about your origin story. You know, it's always interesting to find out kind of how people get to where they're at. So, can you walk us through? Did you always want to be a writer? And then what was the trajectory from that point to kind of where you are now with Holiday, you know, being such a successful film on Netflix? Well, I certainly always wanted to be in entertainment. I started out with visions of being a very successful actress. And I'm from a really small town in Washington State, literally the middle of nowhere. I couldn't wait to get out. So I had lofty ambitions of, you know, being a superstar. <laughs> but here we are. I'm a writer now. So I started out acting. I left my small town. I went to Seattle, which for me was the big city. And I actually had quite a bit of fairly, I want to say easy early success as an actor. So I thought, oh gosh, this acting thing isn't, you know, it's going to be a piece of cake. And then, you know, then you're waiting tables and taking acting classes and, you know, trying to get down to LA. Getting to LA was always the goal for me. So I like to say I had a lot of small parts in really big movies. I got in and out of a lot of movies pretty quickly, but I got to work with some amazing directors, you know, Tony Scott and John Schlesinger, Albert Brooks, like Gary Marshall. So as a really young actor, I got to be, you know, in some really fun movies. And, you know, then then you're not getting cast in the big roles and you're thinking, well, if I never get cast again, I'm going to write my own movies and create my own projects. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of artists just go to, how am I going to create opportunities for myself? And I started writing and, you know, through a long course of events, I won't bore you with, I followed a boy to Chicago and I had a couple of years to sit in Chicago with a lot of time on my hands. And then I did really start writing. And the first script that I wrote, I ended up just on a whim, having no clue what I was doing. I sent it off to the Nichols Fellowships, which I'm sure you're familiar with, a really prestigious screenwriting competition put on by the Academy. And crazily enough, I ended up placing in that competition. I was a finalist. And at the time, just getting you know into that top quarter in the Nichols Fellowships, and I think it's probably true to this day, is that people want to hear from you. They want to look at your script. They want to talk to you. They want to have meetings with you. So just getting, I think it was the quarterfinals, if I, it was few years back. But I flew out to LA and I took some meetings and I got a manager. And from those meetings, I was pitching this other idea that I had. And 
everyone seemed to respond to this idea. And I went back to Chicago and I wrote a second script in a few months, still not really knowing what I was doing, but, you know, finding my way through it. And about the time I finished that script, my life in Chicago literally blew up. It'll make a great script someday. But my life fell apart. The big wedding was canceled. I packed up everything in the Jeep Grand Cherokee and headed out. And on my way out of Chicago to drive back to Washington to lick my wounds with my family, I dropped the second script in the mail that I had written. And it was 24 hours literally before the ABC Disney Fellowship deadline. And I dropped it in, I FedExed it and ultimately ended up winning a spot that year in the ABC Disney Fellowships. And that changed the course of my life. They give you a stipend, they fly you out to LA, they pay for your expenses for a year, and you're immersed in this world of amazing mentors and producers and writers and directors. And through that time, you're also working on a project that you've pitched with your little support team. And out of the end of that year, I got an agent and thought maybe I should start taking this writing thing a little more seriously. And here I am. (laughs) Now we'd love to talk your process. Maybe we could use Holiday as the example and get into from a high level inception all the way to kind of getting this film made, the whole process. Are you cool with me reading the Holiday description? This is the Netflix description. Oh, let's hear it. Fed up with being single on holidays, two strangers agree to be each other's platonic plus ones all year long, only to catch real feelings along the way. My first question in regards to Inception, you know, I have a feeling based on, you know, my description earlier that this was inspired by real life events, but can you walk us through A, you know, how you came about coming up with this idea and then B, why did you commit to this idea? Because I think a lot of writers have a lot of different ideas. Maybe you have a lot of different things in your head, but how do you lock in on something and say, I want to make this? Well, for me, it's two things that get me excited. I'm all about a great title and I'm all about a great hook. And I know that sounds very probably studio commercially, but I've you know been around <laughs> a while to know what I feel like is something that's going to excite people. So I feel like if I'm excited and I've got a title and a hook that the people that possibly would want to buy the project or make the project, which is, you know, it's at the end of the day, that's everybody's goal is to get something made. Then I feel like I've had a good idea. Holiday specifically started because I had this idea that I wanted to explore. I'm a romantic comedy girl all day long, but I really wanted to explore this idea of a long distance relationship. That was kind of the original inception. Having lived in Chicago, lived in LA, how would you follow a relationship of two people that didn't live in the same city? That was the, the initial idea that I had. And what sparked off of that idea is how people generally long distance relationships, they only see each other on holidays or vacation days, right? It's really limited. And once I sparked on the idea of only following a relationship on the holidays, then I knew I was onto something. And about that same time, another long distance relationship movie was done and came out. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, Okay, I have this great idea. Now somebody has done it. So from then, I was like, okay, how can I keep the hook of following a relationship over the course of a year of holidays. And that's kind of, that was the inception of it. So I was able to keep the hook that excited me. And I knew that the title Holiday was something special. So I had those two things and moved forward. And I had started writing it 
multiple times as this kind of long distance relationship movie. And then it turned into something different, but probably even much better. You mentioned you had this idea you were writing the film. Can you break down for the writers listening how it came to be? Because sometimes you write on spec, right? And then you kind of try to get a manager or an agent. And sometimes it's the other way around, right? A studio needs a writer and then they find someone to write it. So can you walk us through kind of where this fell in that world and what the norms are and your experience so far? This was definitely a spec. It was an original idea that I had that I latched onto and believed in it so strongly that I was willing to write it on my own, on my own time without anyone paying me for it. So, which is, you know, it's, it's what writers should be doing when they're, they have the luxury of, of being able to do that is writing something that you believe in that there's going to be a marketplace for it while you're hopefully, you know, writing other things to keep the lights on. For me, I was working a lot at Disney Channel. I had an overall deal at Disney Channel, which, you know, is amazing at any place to get that afforded me the opportunity to have a little extra free time. So I was writing projects that I was being paid to write. And also, you know, it's so important as a writer to keep writing projects that you believe in on your own without somebody looking over your shoulder and asking for notes and outlines and treatments and time limits and time frames, right? And deadlines. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. In regards to the outline you just mentioned, when you work on a project for yourself, are you outlining as much? What is your personal preference? I know there's a lot of people are very polarized for outlining and not. So are you a big outliner? Well, I will say that I have adapted over the years. I used to, when I first started writing, I didn't even know what an outline was. And I loved that the freedom that that, it's like freedom and fear, right? Because you're staring at a blank page without that other guideline over here on the side of your desk to refer to. I loved the experience of kind of having a very vague idea and beginning the writing process and seeing it come to life. And who are these people and how are they going to talk and 
oh, what does this room look like? And where are we going to go after this? And, you know, that whole creating it as I went process was really fun for me. Once I started getting hired to write for somebody else, they don't exactly want to just, you know, trust you to wing it. Take my word for it. It's going to be good. And so I did struggle with it for a few years. I hated the outline process. I thought it was a complete waste of time. I thought it was stifling. I didn't want to be locked into an idea just because somebody had approved it. So that was something that I had to kind of wrap my brain around because, you know, it is inevitable when somebody is hiring you to write for them, they want to see what you're going to do before you do it. And ultimately, I got to the place where don't necessarily outline so much, but most of my work projects that I'm selling, I'm pitching. And so I do pitch documents, which I've kind of developed my own style. I think acting helped me a lot in this. And I would encourage writers to, I know it sounds like probably cheesy, but if you're not naturally a people person, and many writers are not, we're by nature introverts, to spend time getting really comfortable pitching whether that's an improv class or hanging out with your friends who are actors or you know just people that are great storytellers and get really comfortable in a room because i think that's one of the things that has helped me a lot in my career where maybe i wasn't always the best writer for the job i was probably the best pitcher in the room and i don't say that to pat myself on the back it was a you know a lot of work in years but i think coming from an acting background that has helped me a lot but going back to the outline pitch process. Now I do pretty involved pitch documents, which I write in my own voice. I like to put a lot of dialogue or if there's accents or you know character traits, I put a lot of those into my pitch documents. So it's really an experience when I'm pitching the project. And by the time I'm done, I generally have a six to eight page, pretty solid pitch document, which will guide me in the writing process. And I have found that having that does really expedite the writing process. What about characters? When you start working on writing the script, obviously you're pulling from some of your own life. So can you walk us through what your specific process is? Is there a point at which you're like, okay, these are the two most important characters. These are the 10 key characters and start fleshing those out specifically, or does that happen more organically? And then what are you pulling from your own experience? I think inevitably you're always pulling from your own experience on some level, even if you're writing, you know, a horror movie or a murder mystery, (laughs) you're pulling from people that you know, or conversations that you've had, or, you know, experiences that you've had on some level. I think most of my stories, there's always going to be a romance or a relationship in there. And so those are probably the people I'm focusing on the most. I think Naturally, the lead characters, male and female, are always a piece of my personality. I think all writers are probably infusing themselves in all of their characters on some level, right? Like the family that we're creating, this world that are all little pieces of ourselves. On some level, you have to be able to do that. So you're getting inside their heads and finding the way they think and speak and and feel. As far as like rounding out my cast, if you will, that is more of an organic process to me. Like if I'm writing a scene and I know that somebody from somebody's family or a friend is going to pop into that scene, I wouldn't necessarily say I often 
give all those other characters a lot of thought until I'm forced to. For me, and I'm not saying this is the great way for everyone to do it, but for me, organically finding how things come to me and how people start to talk or walk into a room or who that, you know, that to me is so fun and surprising. And then, oh, I thought she was going to have a sister, but no, it's, you know, it's her little brother's best friend who's 14. And, you know, who would think that that guy is going to have an interesting perspective when I thought she was going to have, you know, her college roommate, things like that. I like to look for what's unexpected. How can you shake up what would probably be, you know, the normal side characters or supporting characters beyond the leads? As far as finishing the script with a high level process, getting through it, your first draft is that very rough and you're going through the whole pass or are you doing it kind of scene by scene? Some writers we've interviewed have compared writing a script or a book to almost like ironing a sheet. You go over it once and then it gets more and more and more refined. Would you say that that's accurate for your process? I would say that's a really good description. That makes perfect sense to me. You know, I don't know that it's necessarily the same every time. I'm a pretty OCD writer. It's almost physically uncomfortable for me to move on to something if I, you know, away from something if I don't feel good about it. And that can really slow you down, but it can also, I tend to, at the end of my first drafts, feel pretty good about them as far as, you know, moving on to the next step to have somebody's eyes on it, where lots of time people will do with, you know, that vomit draft where, you're getting it all out there. You've got a really rough structure. You wouldn't necessarily want anyone to read it. I think that's a that's probably a you know a good way to be. I think that can be really helpful to just get it all out and then roll up your sleeves. Unfortunately for me, like I said, I'm a pretty OCD writer. I have to feel things are at a good place. So I tend to I forget who it is. Was it Sorkin? There's one of those like writing gods that, you know, specifically leaves off at a, who was it? I want to know the answer to this question. He leaves off right before he finishes the end of the scene, right? So that when he comes back the next day, he knows exactly, you know, where he needs, it keeps that flow going, right? As opposed to I've ended the scene and now I've got to come back tomorrow and now really spend time thinking about where we're going to go next. So I always thought that that was good advice to kind of keep it hanging a little bit so that it gives you a safety net of where to come back to the next day. I just, for me, I like things to be at a really pretty solid place before I move on. I also like a really pretty script page. That's something that's a pet peeve of mine when people ask me to read things if they look ugly, (laughs) for lack of a better word. If they're messy and there's long paragraphs and there's dangling words, I mean, I'll spend 45 minutes rewriting an action line so that there's not one word hanging at the end. I can't stand it, which again, is not super expedient, but it makes for a really pleasant read. And I think sometimes that's half the battle. You want people to enjoy reading your scripts. And sometimes you have to spend a little extra time to make them look nice. Sometimes cleaning it up also saves you on page count too. You know, those little words that hang over, like you mentioned, there's tons of those. You could save a couple pages, which is, you know, the difference between 120 and 130. Ah, so. uh, no, 105 <laughs> and 110. Okay. But he wants a 130 page script. I know. All right. So before we get to just a couple final bonus questions, 
I know that you had mentioned before the podcast that you were moving into directing. So I'd love to hear kind of what that looks like, what the difference is for those listening who don't know the key differences and yeah, what we can expect. Well, I'm in the process of writing a new movie for Netflix that I'm going to be directing. I'm really excited about. It's a little bit top secret because it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm so excited to be moving into directing, which I've you know started with my short last year, year before, and doing the Sony Fellowship. So I think once you've sat in a screening room a couple of times and watch your work on the screen directed by someone else, someone else bringing their vision to your script, I think that's an amazing experience. And then for me, I've also found in a couple of cases it to be a painful experience in that just so clearly seeing how I would have made a different choice and done different things. And, and that it starts a fire in you to really want to direct your work. You know, many writers are so happy, just I want to stay in my little office and my computer and write and send it off. And for me, that has not been the case. I've wanted to direct for a really long time. And I'm so excited to have the opportunity to write something and see it from a director's perspective as I'm going through it. You mentioned earlier that you had aspirations to be a superstar and then you then said, oh, well, now I'm a writer. But writers these days, are writers the new superstars? Because at the end of the day, there's so much content these days and writers are behind all of it, right? And now writers, like you said, are becoming directors, they become showrunners. Would you say that these days, the power of the writer is greater than ever? Oh my gosh, I'd absolutely say that. I mean, just look at the last thing that blew me and the rest of the world away, the Queen's Gambit, and look at what Scott Frank is doing. And you know, look at what Shonda is doing with Shondaland and Bridgerton. And I mean, absolutely. The writers can create their own kingdom now. <laughs> Love that. You mentioned, you know, how you get your spec script out there. A lot of the times that requires getting a manager, getting an agent. What are your words of wisdom for those writers who are trying to get representation, especially right now? We've talked to managers, agents on here who have said that now it's actually a bit more of a tough time with the industry being kind of slower. And they're usually, you know, maybe giving gigs to writers who are already established. So what would you say to those writers who are right now trying to get their foot in the door? I would say a couple of things. One, try not to listen to the peanut gallery too much, right? I just, I believe great work and great talent, you know, will always find a place and it might not be as quickly as we all want it to happen, but you know, it's tenacity. It sounds cliche, but really, if you believe in yourself and your work, it's going to find the person that believes. And I mean, Holiday, it's the perfect example. I had so many different versions of Holiday and had written it, I don't know, probably five, six, seven years ago, off and on when everyone said the romantic comedy is dead and this is a cute idea, but nobody's going to make it and get it. And, you know, one day I get a call, you know, from McGee, it's landed on his script. It's Tiffany Holt for McGee. Hi, give me 24 hours with Netflix. We want to make your movie. And suddenly I'm having this experience where everyone's telling me it's one of the best scripts they've ever read. And, you know, Catherine Heigl's calling me, can you, I want to talk to you about a sequel for 27 dresses because I loved your script and I loved this movie. And, you know, suddenly something that nobody believed in. And I was telling my reps year after year, this is going to be good. I'm done another pass. I've freshened it up. So even for me, which is something that I already knew, don't give up on your projects, the ones that you believe in. I mean, really don't give up on your projects. 
The other piece of advice that I feel so strongly about, and I am a living, breathing example of success through competitions. There are so many amazing writing competitions. Submit your work to the top 20, you know, that you can afford to do. I know they all have entry fees, but the reputable competitions, even placing top 10, you know, finalists, it gives you a talking point when you're reaching out to managers and agents. And I would say lean toward managers and production companies before agents. Agents are, you know, like the last run for the most part, the most challenging to get. Managers and producers can be more open. But just saying, hi, you know, my name is John Doe and I, you know, I want to submit my project that was a top 10 in Blue Cat or, you know, Fade In. Whatever it is, it gives you an instant talking point. And already what everyone in this industry wants to know is that somebody else thought it was good. Oh, somebody else thought it was good, then it might be worth my time to check it out. So I always say competitions and don't give up on your projects that you believe in. Love that. Second last question, if you could choose any writer, living or dead, to take to any restaurant, we usually propose a fast food restaurant just to kind of throw, you know, a loop. But if you had to choose any writer in any restaurant, who would you choose to take and where would you go? I would probably take Aaron Sorkin to Sweet Butter Cafe and sit out on the sidewalk and have coffee and scones, maybe a salad. We'd start with a salad and it would make me feel less guilty about having the scone and the coffee. That would be my my dream date, my dream writing date. What's the one question you would ask Aaron Sorkin? I would ask him, do you still get scared? Do you still feel intimidated starting a new project? Do you have insecurity even at your level? Love that. The last question, if you could choose, and you've already given a lot of advice for writers listening, but if you could choose one thing from your entire career that you would like to pass along to those writers listening, what's the one thing you'd say? I would say read the scripts from the movies that you love. Actually get PDF. You can find it online anywhere. But read scripts from writers that you love and movies that you love and see what they look like because I can't tell you and I hope this doesn't sound kind of arrogant in any way. I don't mean it that way. But people send me things to read all the time. And I can tell by the first page if they know what they're doing or not, or if they've spent time. Everyone can have a great idea, right? Everyone thinks that they can write. And probably, Ron Howard said this about directing. Everyone, you know, probably everybody can direct a movie. Probably everyone can write a script. But just get educated and make sure you're at least knowing what you're doing to present it in the right way. That's half the battle. Like just just knowing how to format, having a good screenwriting program. And that comes from reading great scripts. Love that. The last and most important question, I know this was a quick one, but did you have fun today talking to us about holiday and your process? Oh my gosh, I had so much fun. It's great fun to be posed with questions that you <laughs> a lot of time thinking about. Awesome. I hope I had, you know, decent answers because it's... Of course. So, well, I want to say something that, you know, hopefully is helpful because I love writing so much and I'm so fortunate and grateful to be able to get to do what I do and sit in my little office in Sherman Oaks and look at my palm tree and do it. So I'm so happy to chat with you and I'm so thrilled and honored that you wanted to chat with me. Holiday premiered on Netflix on October 28th, 2020. It's still on Netflix. If you're listening, check it out. It doesn't take much. Just go on to Netflix, click play, watch it. You're going to love it. So that being said, Thank you, Tiffany. We're really excited about the film. Congrats. Thanks, It's, uh, it's amazing. 
Did you want to plug anything else before you go? Social media, upcoming projects. No, you can't talk about that upcoming Netflix project. Anything else? I'm on Instagram at the Tiffany Paulson. I'm trying to, you know, be more exciting and on my Instagram. So I have a lot of fun stuff, behind the scenes stuff. I'm working on that. Instagram, drop me a note. And it was so nice to meet you and so fun to be here. You as well. Thank you again so much. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.